thank you guys that were praying this week. Me and um, the other pastor, pastors on staff here, we were able to get away for a retreat up in um, Washington on Whidbey Island. I'd never, how many of you guys have been up there before? I've never been there before, and it was beautiful. Uh, it was a great retreat. There was about 30 or so of us pastors. It was very low-key, um, just a lot of time to get to know and, and talk with each other. And the, the teaching times were more or less, uh, there's this pastor who I love very dearly, Ed Taylor from Calvary Aurora, that was sharing with us. But there was a lot of time just to practically talk about the things he was sharing, like how it applied to us, and a lot of just hard things being shared and and you know, remembering to rejoice with each other and share each other's sufferings. And it was just very refreshing, very encouraging. And so thank you guys for praying for that. But in the process, it, it's always a blessing when I don't have to come back and teach because then I can actually just feel like I can be fed and, and not have to worry about that. And it happened to work out that uh, another pastor friend of mine, who you, many of you guys have seen before if you've been going here for a while, um, uh, he was a, a pastor of what I think was like the first church plan up in Seattle, like Calvary Chapel, years ago. Faithful there for many years, and then about the time I was taking over as lead pastor here, his son was taking over as lead pastor at that church, and it's freedom up to where he can travel around the world and get to share um, the Word of God. And so we love to have him come down whenever he can, and it happened to work out. This was the weekend that he was free to do that. So I'm going to introduce Wayne Taylor to you guys. Good morning. How are you guys doing? So yeah, we've been having a retreat this week and getting built up and just renewing friendship and, and deepening our fellowship. It's been really great this week. Amen. That was fun. And we were the first one in Washington, I think. Yeah, the first one. Unless Bill over there, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> so turn in your Bibles, would you, to Colossians. This is a fantastic passage from Colossians. Colossian, the Colossae city is like a small city, a city that there was in Asia Minor, they called it. It's called Turkey today. And um, it was a key church that was planted, but it was planted when Paul came and ministered in Ephesus, and then people from all over Asia Minor came down and checked it out, and a bunch of churches were started just from that, and just hearing the word that Paul was preaching, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and so they became a really sweet a group of people that he loved tremendously. And um, so Colossians has some unbelievable stuff. Well, the whole Bible does, right? And so Colossians, though it was a very podunk town back then, it became this vibrant fellowship, kind of like this one, you know? Sweet. I, are you mad because I said podunk? I, uh, no, you're not. You're not put on. In fact, I had a great time just driving through. By the time I got to the nearby area that is so nice, um, the light came on, you know, sun came up. And otherwise, I left at 2 o'clock 
to come to drive here. So I've sacrificed so much. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so we're in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at God's great guiding lights. God's great guiding lights for our life. Okay, let's look at Colossians 3 and read 14, 15, and 16. There are so many lights that we could talk about 10, 15, or 100 of them, but we're going to cover just three. So verse 14 through 16, uh, let's read. It says, Colossians three fourteen. above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to have the lights that you have given, Lord, the great light of the world, Jesus Christ, and in him, darkness flees. When you come into our lives, Lord, darkness is dispelled, but sometimes that darkness of the world wants to creep in. And some of those who are the enemies of the gospel, they need to be brought into the light, just like Paul. He was the number one enemy for a while, but Jesus loved him and apprehended him. Thank you, Lord, for so many that are apprehended by you today in this room. Thank you, God. You loved us enough to do that, to grab hold of our hearts and our minds and help us even more to be guided in our daily life because it's the way to live. It's abundant life, but the thief wants to steal it, kill it, destroy it. So please, open our minds and hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have big questions as Christians sometimes, and we wanna talk about how we can know God's will for our life. What are the guiding lights that direct your life? The verses we just read, Paul said, the love of Christ, the peace of God, and the word of Jesus' grace, and there are others that we could take, but I'm just gonna look at those three. How can I know that I'm being guided by God? How can I be sure I'm doing his will for my life day by day? God's put up stars in heaven, so to speak, that are guiding us. You know, across the seas, sea captains, 
They had a hard time sometimes getting from one place to another. There was a guy in the 1800s, a captain of a ship, and he sailed his iron ship back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean. In those days, they didn't have GPS. They didn't have uh, modern navigational aids. But the ship had two compasses. And one of the compasses was in the captain's quarters as he was steering the ship. But it was an iron ship. And that could be affected by magnetic things. And so often in this world, there are magnetic things that want to pull us into something that's not God's will. It happens all the time. The enemy is active every single day. And he wants to lead us into those things. But still, the sea captain needed as the man at the helm to guide. But the other compass was fastened at the top of the main mast, above all the other things on the ship, above any influence from the ship or from outside the ship. This compass was at the top of the main mast. And quite often, a sailor would climb up and inspect it and yet it was a passenger ship as well. So passengers sometimes would say, what's he doing up there? You know, what's happening? Why is he going up on that mass so far? Isn't that dangerous? Well, the captain said, this is an iron vessel. The compass on deck can be disturbed and distorted, but that above everything else cannot be an influence because they're steering by the compass above everything else. And that's what these three things that we're gonna talk about are. What are they? The love of Christ. Let's read it again in verse uh, 14. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You know, he's not talking to pastors here. He's just talking to people, his people, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. That's the first one. And then the peace, verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, our hearts go through turmoil every single day. And there are things to try to upset us. But the peace of Jesus is something different than anyone has. And so he says, let the peace rule. We wanna talk about that. And then finally, let the word of Christ and his grace, because he goes on and says, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. So this grace of Jesus Christ, his word of grace. Oftentimes the Bible's called the word of grace. In Acts you find this a couple of times. And Jesus himself gives grace, because he is the word, he's the living word. 
You know, it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you're, you're like, what, you know? The Word was God? Jesus is the embodiment of the Word of God. He is the Word of God. Our Bible gives us all we need about him to know him, to experiencing, to experience him. That's why John said, the word came and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten. Think of this, the only begotten God. God was begotten and became fully human as well as fully divine. Jesus Christ is the unique person of all time and of all eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, our natural senses can easily be disturbed. How many would raise your hand and say, yeah, I get easily disturbed? Why did I know that? Because I'm human. I get disturbed. I don't want to be disturbed. But the enemy throws all kinds of circumstances and surroundings and influences. And then even the things that God allows and perhaps ordains that are so difficult, but they can't upset the eternal destiny of your life. Do you know there are certain things that are so painful and you wonder, how can I even live through this? Because we're all gonna be gathered and there won't be any of that. The perfect love, let's look at that one first. The perfect love of Jesus Christ. Above all these things, it is the bond of perfection. It's the supreme attribute of the Spirit. It's the number one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, all these other things that that portray love. But God in his total nature is pure, perfect love. But it's hard to understand it unless he can show you through his word that he even uses the worst things that can happen. You know, the world didn't fall because of God. God had a different plan. And he commanded humans not to eat of certain things. What were they? The knowledge of evil. He didn't want us knowing evil, but our forefathers ate. And we've done it ever since. I know you want to really rebuke Adam right now, but we're all a part of that. He was mankind at that time. She was womankind. And now it's us. The beauty is, is as soon as man fell, as soon as man fell, God spoke to the serpent. To the serpent first. And he said, the seed of the woman is coming. And you will bruise his heel but he will crush your head. Amen. I like that. 
I like that picture in my mind, crushing the devil's head. But that's what he does through what he did on the cross. Now, love is something we all need. It's so fantastic that that's often the first thing that he wants to give is just give you love because everything that he gives is love. But sometimes he comes with such tenderness and such kindness and goodness. Now, if you don't know that you're loved, you won't be a loving person. You need to be loved. Those without love are emotionally devastated. They're starved for that main thing that they need. They need to know that they're okay. A person who receives very little love or no love won't be able to give love. Unloved people can't be loving people. That's why love is so important from the first breath. You know, the Puritan writer Thomas Manton, he was a great man of God who came to America and also preached the word. And you know, sometimes our heritage is really given with deception regarding the pilgrims or the Puritans. And these people came, they wanted to worship God. Sure, people have come ever since, and that's great. Because of our forefathers, we can come and we can find freedom, but freedom without God is not freedom. And that's what we're seeing more and more. Thomas Manton said, love is like an echo. It returns what it receives. What kind of love have you been receiving? What kind of love are you receiving right now? And you can tell really what you've been receiving by what you're returning. It's an echo. And the enemy is attacking. Jesus was clear about that. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now every person who receives the love of Christ has the potential to be a loving, caring, strong person, confident person. But without that love, you're not. You're still starving. You're weak. I'm weak. I'm easy to be troubled and to be anxious and to be fearful. But perfect love dispels fear. That's what the love of Jesus Christ does, but the enemy doesn't want you to believe how much God loves you. He loves you so much, and you need to believe that and take it in every single morning. I love that verse in Jeremiah 31.3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with cords of loving kindness. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Do you know that the Lord has already loved you for eternity? Think of that. You're everlastingly loved already before you even get here. He loves us and he gives us an opportunity to receive that love. Cords of loving kindness draws people. Jesus said that as well in John 6, 44. I love that verse. 
John 6, says, no one can come to me, Jesus speaking, unless the Father who sent me draws him. God not only sent Jesus, but he then through Jesus and through the Spirit, the, the other comforter, they're drawn to him. They're drawn to the Father's love. And Jesus says, no one can come to me unless they, he does draw them to me and I will raise him, that person who comes to me, I'll raise him up in the last day. In other words, your life is headed towards paradise. And, and so there's really nothing that can completely defeat us. We can feel very hurt, very put the adjective in there, but with his loving kindness drawing us. When you know him, you understand that he has a plan. And some of it is unbearable in terms of our abilities. But it's not unbearable for the Lord taking you when you are the most sad person in the world. And there are things like that, but there will not be that when we go into the throne room of God and heaven and we are in paradise forever. You know, Astoria is really great, but not quite paradise. <laughs> and the same is true where I live, even though I have a great view of Puget Sound. I don't even know how that happened, but it did. Anyway, in spite of that, I'm disturbed, but the love of Jesus Christ changes me. Because 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, the love of Christ controls me. That's what Paul said. The love of Jesus Christ controls me. That's what you want to come to, where the love of Christ rules. Rules over your heart. Can you say that the love of Jesus Christ directs your attitudes and your actions? You know, when Jesus is in your heart, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. You see, God's love doesn't come from understanding everything it comes from a place where it surpasses understanding. It's your relationship with Jesus. And that is something that until you know him, you don't understand how it can be so, well, giving of peace, as we're gonna talk about in a moment. It's so, it, it provides a peace that you couldn't know otherwise. But Christ's love for people, he wants to direct our attitudes. He wants it to take over our heart. So we need to receive it every single day and realize that he's gonna turn it towards good. And that's why he wants that part, like he says, above all other things, put on his love, receive his love. It's the bond of perfection. You're gonna be able to respond to others and, and, and deal with your own personal uh, 
pain by receiving the love first and foremost. Now that brings us to the second guiding light, and that's the peace. Look at this in verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's amazing. It kind of brings you into a relationship that's different than any other person. And, and you eventually come to the point where you realize, I need Jesus more every day than I've ever needed him before. You know, I'm 73 now. And I'm like, I should already know all this stuff. I don't. But through the love of Christ, I can receive the peace of God, it says. And that means God's own kind of peace. And that peace is him. It's what he enjoys in heaven, even though he looks down upon the world and he sees all that is going on. And he hates it. But he loves the people. You know, you can hate the sin but you don't want to hate the sinner. You want to love the person, especially the ones that you have impact with. You know, it's easy to to want to just lash out, but it's not going to change their heart. What's going to melt their heart is the still, still waters that he has. He leads us besides those still waters and he melts away the hardness in this person's life. And so the love of Jesus Christ, it brings about the peace of Jesus Christ. Let's read that verse one more time, verse 15. Let the peace of God, it's God's peace, let it rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and thankful. We could be fighting all the time, but we don't have to because we turn it over to the Lord. We give it over to him. When we do that, it makes a big, huge difference. Now, the only way we can do that is through prayer. This is where prayer becomes so important. Why? The Lord's given two big commands that would change all of our lives if we would just obey them. And they're Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know what it says? Be anxious for nothing. What is nothing? It excludes everything. So there's nothing. It says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. That's, that means everything's covered. He's going to take care of it. But we're not going to believe that unless we pray. And we don't pray for it to change necessarily, although we hope it will. I mean, the Lord did actually change people from being dead to being alive again. He can and does do that sometimes. But he may not do that sometime, or he might not do it every time. We're already on the path to die. That was the consequence. 
And it was wrong. A liar said, oh, no, if you eat of that tree, you're actually going to know more or equal to what God knows. No. But she believed it. And then Adam, who knows about him? He's like, okay, I'll do it too, so I get in trouble. No, it's you, Adam, that was given the command. And you did not convey the importance. Whatever, whatever that, however that happened, it happened. So the Lord has given us Jesus. He came and was bruised. And in terms of death, the Father ordained him to death. You know, it says in Hebrews, I think it's 5, 7, it says, he learned obedience through his sufferings. He learned that because he never had to obey anyone. He's God. (laughs) But he became fully man that we might become part of God's family. The devil wants to threaten your peace. He wants to steal your peace. And to not be robbed of your peace, you must pray. You need to pray for help every day. You know, I have 12 grandkids now. I had four children before, Kathy and I. Now we have 12 more, four more spouses. We got 22 in our family, just our immediate family. I love it. It's so awesome. The devil hates them, but God loves them. Every single one of them. He wants to save them. And he will. He's the one who can do it. And he's faithful to do it. So we need to know in our minds, and even though we don't feel it in our emotions, that he actually gives us a peace that surpasses understanding. And it enables us to survive some of the worst things. Now it goes on, and it says in, in Philippians 4, 6, worry about nothing, pray in everything. Be anxious for nothing, and in everything, With prayer and supplication, another version says. Supplication means pouring out your heart in in sadness, whatever it is, in in fear, in just pouring out your heart to God. Let your request be made known to God. Not that he doesn't know what you want or need, but he wants you to come and and be comforted and confirmed. He's going to take care of you. He's going to bring it all through to a good end. But that's the only way, is through him. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Jesus and his peace guards over you. That's a military word. 
And it means that there's a, a warrior standing watch. And of course, that's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. He's standing watch over us. And we have prayer warriors praying for us. I love the kind of peace that Jesus gives. It says in John 14, 27, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. You see, in the world, he said, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. It's not like, oh, this is really great. Oh, hallelujah. Woo-hoo, let's go to, you know, celebrate or something. No, there's certain things that are just so difficult. But in the end, it's actually gonna be one of the most joyous things you've ever experienced. You can't even understand that when you're here on earth, except small examples of it, right? But the biggies, oh, brother. But it will happen, and he will do it because he is faithful. He's guarding over us. You know, Martin Luther in his autobiography, he talks about how he listened to preachers and he really liked them, and he read his Bible a lot, and that's why we have a reformation. If you wanna have a personal reformation, read your Bible a lot and hide it in your heart. Trust him, he, he says he'll take care of it. And he said in his autobiography, I've heard a lot of preachers and they are really, really great, but there's one preacher that's the best preacher I've ever heard. And he was reading in his Bible in Matthew 6 where he says, just like your heavenly father feeds the birds, he will even more take care of you, will he not? That's his promise. And so Martin Luther says, yeah, my little robin my little brown, orange-chested robin. He's my favorite preacher. And I listen to him every night. So I put crumbs out. I put food out. He likes to come at night. He wants to eat and gorge himself. And he then goes over to a tree, and he just eats it and eats it and eats it. And then he hides his head under his feathers and goes to sleep. But while he's eating and thanking me with I'm getting the best message I've ever heard because that's what God is doing for me. He's taking care of me every single day. You know, the peace of God is extremely powerful. It's interesting, the first part of the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, they built it without putting up any safety measures or devices. 23 people fell during that building of the Golden Gate Bridge in the first half. 23 fell, they all died. And they realized, yikes, this is not working. And so the last part, the second half of the project, they went out and bought a huge net. It cost over $100,000. 10 people fell. Less people fell, knowing they had safety. But 10 people fell. No one died whatsoever. But an interesting sidelight is the fact that the job itself accomplished 25% more work every day. And it 
took 25% less time and a better job was done just because they had safety and a sense of security and peace and like they were, they, someone's guarding over me. It's interesting what peace and encouragement and strength can do. To know the peace of God, you must entrust yourself to the God of peace. To know the peace of God, you, you have to entrust yourself to the God of peace. I love Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Isn't that great? It just sounds like Genesis three fifteen, all over again. And it is, it's true. Because he loves us. Now, the final one, our final, um, is the word of Christ. The word of Christ in verse 16, let's read it. It says, you know, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, so we've got the love of Christ. We've got the peace of Christ. And now we've got the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace. So I would say the word of his grace is a key thing. That is so important. Not only do we need his love, not only do we need his peace, we need the word of his grace. Because that's what it says here in verse 16. We need to know his word and understand that it's a word of grace even though sometimes it's hard. But the more you read your Bible and draw close to Jesus, the more you're gonna understand the mind of God. You won't perfectly understand until we die. We will know as we are known. And that'll be awesome. But in the meantime, we can know as much as we know. And I like what Mark Twain said. He said, most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture, which they can't understand. But as for me, I've always noticed the passages in Scripture which trouble me the most are the ones I do understand. Because the more you do understand, or let's say the more you read, the more you're going to understand. And you'll be able to bring it all to him. And his word has a promise for every sad thing you're going through. Billy Graham once said, one of my great regrets is I haven't studied enough. I wish I'd studied more and preached less, but people pressured me and I did it. But he said, you know what I would do if I, had, if I knew I had only three years left? I would spend two of them studying and only one preaching just so that he could convey to himself first and then to others the peace and the word of Jesus Christ. God's word of grace is so amazing. I love Martin Luther again. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands and grabs hold of me. That's what he said the word of God does. It's alive. Think of David. He wrote so many of the Psalms. One he wrote had 176 verses. And in that Psalm, he prayed, 
How shall a young man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hid. Could be literally translated, treasured. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Because it's a word of grace. It's a grace that has God's, your best in God's mind. And he has a promise that he wants to share with you. Therefore, having been justified with by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained this grace in which we stand. You can stand strong. You can walk strong. You know, the, the Lord becomes so real and so personal. You've probably heard this story. I just heard it today. Chris told me I was talking to his little guy named Ezekiel. And I said, what's your name? He says, Zeke. I go, wow, I love that name. And then Chris told me, we were gonna call him something else, but the Lord showed him to name him Ezekiel. And he said, I didn't know why. But then he looked it up, and Ezekiel means God strengthens. And it so turned out that part of the pregnancy and the birth and and the things they had to deal with was exactly an exhibition of God's strength because the health workers were saying it's not gonna be good. Now, I love health workers, but how do they know? And God can even overrule what looks like it's gonna happen, but it may not. Or it may happen and then God may do something even more to take care of it. This is our Lord. The word of his grace changes people, comforts people. That's why we need to confess, and this is my last little bit. We need to confess that we need God. This is what I'm finding. I'm getting closer to God only because I realize I need him more than I thought. I'm sad a lot these days because I see a lot of sadness and terrible things happening, but... That doesn't help. It only helps if I realize how much more I need God and other people too. So I need to receive more of his grace. It's a word of his grace that is needed by this world. That's what's gonna change people. That's what's going to bring newness of life into a person, a family, a city, a state, a country, a world. That's the only way it's gonna happen. And the more we confess our needs, the more he's gonna show us his love and his grace and his word, and he's gonna show his power. And I just wanna end with this verse. Just look right across the way from Colossians 3, 14 through 16, and look at Colossians 4, verse six. It says, let your speech Okay, let, let your speech, not just God's word, but your speech, always be with great grace, seasoned with salt. Listen to this. God's grace towards you is a seasoning with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each person. One of the reasons why we don't see more of a Jesus revolution, although I, I believe it's still going on. Have you seen the movie yet? 
It's so good. We could do like a hundred sequels of that one. It's so amazing. And the Jesus awakening that's going on right now in you, and you, and you, and you, and you. The word of his grace. You know, Jesus, a note was sent to him by Martha. Hey, our, our brother's really sick. Your friend, he's really sick. Can you get over here quick? Right? This is John chapter 11. But he didn't come quick. He had some things he needed to do. And they needed to go through some things. So he gets there and everyone's crying. They're wailing. He's been in the grave for I think it was four days. And Jesus said, he'll rise again. She said, well, I know he'll rise again on the last day, Lord, but you should have been here. So he went and talked to Mary. She'd been crying and praising God and worshiping and all that stuff. But she also said, you should have been here. And then Jesus wept, it says. Now he knew he was gonna raise Lazarus, but he still cried. Why? Because the sadness and the anxiety and the fear and the difficulty that you and I go through, he understands it humanly. He went through it all and he was about to go through it to the fullest extent of death and then resurrection. But he's crying. And you know, tears, did you know tears have an amazing amount of salt in them? An amazing amount. They have so much salt in them that one teaspoonful of tears has enough cleansing power to kill all the germs in 100 gallons of water. And to me, that is just a spiritual example of how much Jesus loves you. Every time you, you want to cry, he loves you. Even just seeing what's going on and knowing he loves me and he loves those people makes me cry a lot. Now, Chuck Smith told me one time, you know, the older I get, I'm crying more. I'm so sorry. I want to be a manly man, but I'm doing it, you know. And I, I can totally relate to that now. I'm like, I never used to cry. Why am I crying now? Because you need to, Wayne. You need me. They need me. And I want them to see me through your love. And I want them to see through your peace. And I want them to see me through your grace and words of grace. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for this dear congregation. Thank you, Lord, that they are a light upon a hill, upon a river, and upon the Pacific Ocean. And we just thank you for this light in this church. And Jesus, keep blessing it. I pray that you would just fire it up even more. I pray that so many would be touched. And thank you for their blessing in having me here today. And I just pray that you'd encourage all of us and fill us with those things that we need, those great lights. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna have the worship team come up here for a response time and uh, what a great word, and, and one of the reasons that I think we need to really just kind of marinate and think about it is like, 
those are some what I would call like Christian 101 like principles as far as things that you learn really quick when you become a Christian like that God loves you you through your faith in Jesus God brings peace to your lives God has brought you into this place of wanting to show his grace to you but knowing those things in your head is very different than believing them in your heart and I don't know about you but like in my life I can go like like I can do a complete 180 in that I'm, I'm good in living in those truths. I'm, I'm believing God loves me. I'm believing. And because of that, I'm, I'm believing all the reasons he's given me to have peace, trusting him with things. And I, I just know he's, he's showing me grace upon grace, favor upon favor. And then all of a sudden, something happens that's unexpected. Or I'm faced with this great adversity. That, that example Wayne shared with Ezekiel is a great example because, you know, up to that moment where all of a sudden the doctors are all, your wife's blood pressure is sky high. She could have a stroke. We're going to have to, you know, induce this birth. He's probably going to be born prematurely, and they're going to have to take him to Portland, and you guys are going to be stuck here. But until that point, I believe those things, right? I, I believe, like, yeah, God loves me, and I have every reason to be at peace, and God just is showing me his grace. But as soon as that unexpected hardship is thrown in front of me, all of a sudden, all the bad thoughts face my mind, and I'm worrying, and I'm anxious, and I'm trying to figure things out, and in reality, what it is, is I'm questioning his love. I might say I believe it in my head, but like, I don't know, Lord, if you really love me, because why are you allowing this to happen? I'm, I, I'm at anything other than at peace, because I'm trying to worry about things and figure things out in my own power instead of praying and trusting God to it. Like I'm doubting his grace. I don't see Lord how this, if this works out this way that I'm being told is, is going to be your favor in my life. And God was so good in that moment to just remind me that a couple months before he had given me just a little heads up, a little promise that, Hey, you can trust me. Remember, I love you. I love Ezekiel even before he was born. I love him even more than you do. You can have peace because I'm the one that's in control, not these doctors, however this turns out. And you can absolutely know that whatever this situation leads to, I've promised you and I've shown you over and over again my favor is upon you. My favor is upon your family. That's all I want to show you in life. And just like that, it snapped me back into that right thinking. And there was definitely still moments in that week when we were going through that ordeal where it was back and forth. But we so often need to be reminded of where we need to be to truly be living in the will of God for us because the will of God for you is to know you're loved, which the cross is more than demonstrated, which gives you every reason to go to God with anything hard in your life so that you can have peace, not have to worry about it, trusting him with it, and be absolutely confident that however he responds, it's gonna be an act of his favor on you whether you understand it at first or not. You've been given every reason to believe those things and live in such a way that you believe them. 
So with this many people, I'm sure some of us have come here today and we're struggling with those things. We're struggling with living those truths in our life at this moment because of something we're going through. And maybe this was the word, just like he gave me that word about my son and his name and reminded me of it. Maybe this is the word he needed to remind you of today because you came here doubting his love or with a lack of peace or not believing in his grace being in your life and you needed to be reminded of it so you can leave here in confidence of those things. And so this is our opportunity just to respond as we do another song of worship, as we have our prayer team around the room for the Lord to minister to you and really just remind you of those truths so you can leave here in confidence, believing them. Amen. When it says whom the sun sets free is free indeed, man, there's so much freedom. Faith in Jesus brings to our life because you can't find a sure love you can be confident in in any other relationship other than the one with him because you truly can't find peace, a consistent peace that isn't based on things working out the way you want or understanding things. As Philippians says, a peace that surpasses all understanding because it's it's based on the one that's in control of all your circumstances, who you know has promised grace upon grace from the moment you placed your faith in Jesus that his favor would be on you and never leave you for all eternity. Only he has the power to make a promise like that and to keep it. Amen? So let's worship the Lord and let him remind us of those things and really soak them in and give him every bit of praise in response. And if you need prayer, if you're having trouble, you're wrestling with those things, come up and get prayer. So we can lift those requests, those struggles up together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for that reminder today. I know I needed it. I need it every day, Lord. You have never given us a reason to doubt any truth. I know at the time, sometimes I doubt it. And I'm thankful for your patience with me. I'm thankful that you bear with me and help me in my unbelief so that I can believe. And I know you wanted to do that with all my brothers and sisters in this place today. So may we just be here and have open ears, open hearts, and allow you to minister to us in the way you want to. In Jesus' name, amen.